This is Ashley Kelsch, and you're listening to Life Coaching for Modern Renegades, episode number 60. Welcome to Modern Renegades Podcast. This is a life coaching podcast for the person who wants to learn how to lose themselves in the moment, not life circumstances. Each week, we will explore mental and spiritual practices that will inspire you to ask, seek, and heal. They are for the modern renegade. They are for you. Happy Saturday, renegades. It is a... Okay, I almost said it's a really wet day out there. And then I was like, why do you always have to be like that? You really think people appreciate it? Probably not. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just can't help myself. I'm always thinking like the hormone monster from Big Mouth, but whatever. Such is my life, Uh, which we are talking about the stories we hold on today. So maybe, you know, creating new neural pathways. But I don't want to let go of that train of thinking because it makes me laugh and it makes, in my mind, this world a sexier place. So, yeah. So there, Ashley, own it. And maybe you have noticed I said Saturday and it's Saturday that you're listening to this because I am now dropping episodes on, yes, you've guessed it, Saturdays for no other reason than it is way more convenient for me in my life and what I have going on. Hopefully it is for you too. I did take that into consideration. I really honestly thought, seems to me most people work Monday through Friday, but on Saturdays we're like going on long runs, running errands, doing other things, like not emailing, not on the phone, maybe listening to podcasts, perhaps listening to mine. I don't know. This is just my train of thinking also, but I digress. Today, like I said, the stories we hold on to, you know, a couple of months ago, I recorded an episode called How Hard Can You Believe? It was about an exercise that I had been doing with my clients and my friends and social media following where I asked them to pick one belief that they wanted to have about life. If they could just choose one thought, what would it be? Oh, renegades. There was an alarmingly high amount of pushback, but once I convinced my clients that this was just for fun, let's just pretend and play. No one has to know, nor do they have to actually believe this. They kind of gave in. So some of these thoughts, I'm sorry, it's really funny to me because this whole fucking episode is funny to me because life is. So here we go. But thoughts like, again, about the life, if you could choose this one life thought, this is badass. I'm here for a good time. I can find the beauty in all of it. I'm here to learn. Anything is possible. Ooh, this is the fun part. There's always a silver lining. So those were just a few examples. But most everyone said, you can't look at life and all of its circumstances and just think one thing. It's not possible. And I'm here to say, not only is it possible, I actually watch every day how my clients and friends and myself personally do it, but with thoughts that A, don't make us feel good, but reaffirm the story we have about ourselves, or B, thoughts we don't actually believe, but we've never really examined our own thinking, so therefore we don't even know we have them and that we're operating from them. Obviously, I'm going to throw down some examples. Two, to be exact. One is tiny. It's about a client. The other, a little lengthy. Guess who it's about? Ta-da! Me. You guessed it. A little personal, but what can I say? It's how I be. But I'm going to point out this experience that I'm going through. I'm moving through it differently than I normally would. So you will find new 
tools and tips today. Unlike some of the usual journal, look at your thoughts, choose new ones. I have a little extra today. Stick around. One of the things that I'm doing, for example, is I'm turning up the volume and hitting repeat on that song called Wolf Like Me by TV on the radio. And I'm wearing my snow leopard furry hat and I'm violently dancing in front of a giant mirror and on my bed. This has been a formal step of my letting go process. And I believe the visual that you are having right now is probably as good as it gets. It is all of that. The stories and thoughts that we hold on to can be slightly mind-blowing when we look at what they actually create for us in our lives. Alan Watts says, all you see outside your head is your mind. But hey, we aren't all as enlightened. I've said it before, I'll say it again, and I'll say it next week. Our brains are a motherfucker. Someone make me a shirt. I need it. Our brains light up when we witness a positive experience in or outside of our lives, but not the same way they do when they witness something that is perceived as possible drama. Think of all the stories you create when someone cuts you off on the trail or in traffic, how you can barely look away from an accident. What we make up in our minds about what might have happened is Oscar award-winning drama material. We totally get off on it. We hold on to it. We tend to repeat it over and over. Just look at the media and see what stories sell and get the clicks to know exactly what I'm talking about. We spend very little time cultivating or bragging about all the good happenings in our lives, but we definitely don't mind sharing the bad. We're just kind of like, oh yeah, it's cool, this thing happened. It's not that big of a deal. Anyway, did you hear about? Someone tells you what a great job you did in an interview or how much they love you, and you don't agree. You just can't see it. Someone else tells you that you're insensitive or you did a terrible job during the interview and you believe them. Someone tells you they're good news and your brain immediately offers that you should be doing this with your life too. And why do they always brag like that? Someone tells you their bad news and you come up with some bad that's even worse than theirs. This renegades has nothing to do with the people, what they're saying, or the events happening. It's the perfect combination of the way your brain is wired combined with the story you've created about yourself and, you've guessed it, your own self-worth. Your brain wants to create the drama so it can distract you. Your brain also likes to interpret the world the same way that it's used to doing. It has developed neural pathways that take your brain the same direction it's used to going, whether you're conscious of it or not. When you become aware of your pattern thinking, it may only require a minor adjustment, or you might experience a bit more of an internal rupture. For example, I have one client who, when talking about her recent goal, said that she thought she would feel more satisfied when she reached it, that it would be different than it is. We coached through it, but a month or more later, she said, I'm just not satisfied with my relationship. I thought marriage would be different. I said, well, hey, now that sounds a little familiar. And I repeated, I didn't laugh, just for the record. I don't laugh at my clients. I repeated back what she had said originally about her goal setting and then pointed out again verbatim what she had said about her marriage. And they were basically identical. She was like, wait, whoa, hey. Okay, so this is crazy because after I told you last month about my goal, I did later think I was satisfied. More than that, I was really impressed, which honestly satisfied me more. And I didn't know why I said to you that I wasn't or that I thought I would feel better about it or differently. And I asked her 
is it possible this sentence in your mind is dated and maybe you just even don't believe it, but you're recycling it. And because it pops up, you think it's true. This was a huge aha moment. She did have a habit of only looking at her life from a view of unsatisfied. But when we examined her work and her relationships and her goals, et cetera, et cetera, she was incredibly satisfied. We also looked at how this thought, I thought it would feel differently, not only created dissatisfaction, but when she felt that she would actually reach outside of herself to manufacture satisfaction by, well, if I make more money because that wasn't enough, then I'll feel better. You know, if I drink tonight or if I get high, I will be able to feel satisfied. If I have sex with other people, that would fulfill me. She was like, how did this thought get here? Where did it come from? How do I change this? I am satisfied. I don't believe things should be different than they are. And my answer was, it's simple. I said, stop believing it. When it comes up, remind your brain that it's not true and make a U-turn. Replace it with the new thought. I am satisfied with my life. I enjoy the challenges in front of me every day and overcoming them. I do it not because I lack satisfaction in my life, but because it brings me pleasure. The shift, though subtle, will change the behavior and the results. For one, she will feel satisfaction with this goal when she reaches it, and she will deliberately look for the reasons of why and find the satisfaction. She's creating new neural pathways. This approach works if you don't believe the thought, but have just been running with it because your brain offered it. And I think this is a very common thing. I have found countless times where I hear myself talking and have been like, wait, you don't actually believe that. You have an opportunity to stop. Look at it. Don't take the first think. Don't subscribe. Don't buy in. Just because the brain offers the thought doesn't mean anything. It's not real. Your brain has thousands of contradicting thoughts all day, every day. So you get to decide, renegades. Sometimes in these moments, I'll ask my brain, so what? And not in a dismissive way or to be an asshole, but just like from love and understanding, what am I making this mean? Now, it's not unheard of that sometimes these beliefs can cut a little deeper. The belief in the story you were unaware of maybe hurts, and it turns out you maybe do believe the thought. That's where I found myself last week, face to face, with a thought that was, they don't like me. They don't like me. They don't like me. They don't like me. I can't tell you how many times. It's honestly like how the story begins. It's hard to say exactly. Originally, I would have had said two weeks ago. But if you asked me last week, I would have said 20 years ago. But if you asked me today, I'd have to admit this belief, they don't like me, has been there as long as I can remember. So long, actually, that they don't like me is like a tattoo. Like it's like an existential crisis in some ways because, or a glitch in a system, and I don't notice it anymore. It's like stretch marks that I, when I first had and I just wanted to rip off my body, they no longer get my attention. They don't like me has been my defense, a way for me to put up my fists and slowly return to my safe space. It's evolved to they won't like me, which allows me to stay safe and not leave my cave. To witness this belief unfold before me has been some of the hardest work I've done with myself or on myself. 
I have seen the story that I have held on to and the suffering it has caused me over the years next to what has actually been. I have seen how I did this, created it, made it a part of my identity in the same way you would maybe identify with who your friends and family are and your title at work. What's been difficult and amazing is seeing just how prominent this belief has been since I became conscious to it. It's a sneaky little fucker. <laughs> I feel like I've just discovered a virus on my computer that's been there for like, oh, you know, 36 years. And it's brutal experiencing the pain of it all, but allowing myself to fully embody it and integrate this new information is proving to me how much I do love myself. When we face ourselves and the beliefs we hold, we have to be ready to accept that on one level, there has been a lot of safety in this story. My survivor brain used this as a way to protect me from getting hurt. And I can hold space for this child, this teen, this young woman, and now adult woman. I can also let her know that it's okay to let go of this story, that this isn't who she is. I can forgive myself. I can tell myself it's okay to feel all of this. There is no, 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 you're fine. Don't be sad. It's cool. Everybody likes you. It's all fine. It's all good. Everybody does that. It's more like, oh, yeah, I can totally see how you thought thinking that and believing it kept you safe. But guess what? You're not in danger. I've totally got you. And I fucking hold her and I let her experience this belief. This entire experience has brought me home and I actually get it now. And there will be other episodes to follow that led me to where I am currently, but I'm so deep in processing it all that I can't even begin to organize it enough. There are many layers, but I have been seeking love and self-worth outside of myself for as long as I can remember. If I can just get someone to like and love me and see me, then I will know my worth. Then I can see me. Marianne Williamson says in A Return to Love, there's a great story about recovering from attraction to dangerous men. It goes like this. When you're really ill, you don't even know a snake when you see one. Once recovery begins, you see a snake and you know it's a snake, but you still play with it. Once you've landed in true recovery zone, you see a snake, you know it's a snake, and you cross to the other side of the road. The reason I started dating consciously years ago had everything to do with being over with ending up where I was each time in a relationship, what I was choosing for myself, and my way of losing myself each time. You keep choosing someone over yourself, someone else to love you. It's a never-ending cycle. I learned that there isn't a person in the world that can love my pain away or fill the void. And that was my work. But I didn't realize just how deep this wound was. I'm learning to process my emotions through this as a feminine creature, meaning I'm experiencing and embodying all of it. I've created containers to fill the rage, the depths of sadness, rejection, embarrassment, and shame. I'm not telling myself, you're fine, choose happiness, you'll be okay. Instead, I am all in on processing the countless emotional experiences as they come up. I'm finding that there is freedom in letting go of our stories. This one for me specifically, it's like shedding a skin from survival and being born into a revival. It requires real courage. 
And I don't doubt that any of us are capable, but our survivor brain fears feeling. It fears it will break us, that we may never recover. But I want to remind you what I'm reminding myself. A feeling or an emotion is a vibration caused by a thought, and that vibration goes through your body, and it cannot kill you. I've been moving these emotions in my body to music. I'm dancing them through, around, and out. I'm giving myself an allotted amount of time and just going for it. I'm also putting on old school jewel and sobbing in my bathtub. I'm walking, I'm running, I'm breathing. I'm giving myself conscious time to experience myself. She wants to be sad. I'm letting her have it. I'm also taking an inventory on all the things that I love about myself, creating the new thoughts and beliefs, the new neural pathways, who I've become, who I was, not who I think I was. I'm choosing to look back at my past from a different lens because the most fucked up part about this story is that no one has ever actually said to me, I don't like you. Not directly anyway. Obviously, I know there are people out there that don't like me and I'm okay with that and not being liked, but this has nothing to do with them. This story was completely made up by me. Once again, I'm the victim and the villain. But now you can call me the queen of reframe because I'm over here doing it every damn day. I'm asking myself the coaching questions. I want to understand why you are doing this. Why are you telling yourself this? What is actually going on here? Is it possible you're not seeing the whole story? Is it possible you were wrong about that? This, Renegades, gets you out of the cycle of the story. It breaks it up. Again, you want to interrogate yourself. Deconstruct the fuck out of your story. The brain doesn't care if it feels good or bad. It just wants to be right. If you're used to feeling sad or in this instance, believing they don't like you, it's going to look for ways to produce those effects with the people, the places, and the things. It's what it's designed to do. This is why it's actually so hard to let go of our thoughts. They're habitual parts of our identity. Or like Herman Miller said, thinking is a narcotic. We just get hooked on it. A few weeks ago, I was so confused by what had happened that each day I journaled. As I mentioned earlier, I just kept writing, I'm writing, I'm writing. And I found myself asking the questions, what if I trusted this happened to me for my greater good? That the universe always protects me, gives me exactly what I need, when I need it. What if I surrender to this heartbreak I'm experiencing? What if I just allow all this shit to come up and I don't push it away? I just allow it. Can I trust that there are no bad trips, only the trips you need? Can I accept what's on the other side of this experience? Renegades, by remaining open, I found myself somewhere I never imagined. And for that, I am grateful. What happened is exactly what it took for me to find my way home, to clear out this old dated belief and learn how to love myself deeper and get to know who I really am. Fully experiencing a rupture will take you to the next level. You will learn how to love yourself harder than you did before. I read last week a post from Young Pueblo. Heartbreak isn't always a sad ending. Sometimes it sets in motion a profound transformation where you work on truly loving yourself, becoming more emotionally mature, and learn what type of partner would actually support your happiness. In this instance, I'm my own partner. I'm learning how to support myself in this way. In this instance, I actually also hate that memes get me so well. You know what I mean? 
come on, young Pablo, I just wrote four pages of emotional vomit and you said it in one post containing one very long sentence. So concise. Damn, so good. (laughs) This is the life we live in. (laughs) New rule, renegades. Start sharing a brag or two when you're with your friends. Ask your friends to share theirs. Own the good you have going on. Look for it. Maybe it's picking up trash on town. Like maybe you get a promotion. Maybe you finally said no to the guy that never said yes. Train the brain to see all the good and glow the fuck up. Create new lanes to travel on. And don't forget, your brain will continue to offer the old beliefs and the ones you have committed to not believing. Nothing has gone wrong here. Just make a U-turn, skirt, and think the new thought on purpose. Like my favorite from Byron Katie, everybody loves me here. They just don't know it yet. Come on, that shit is tight. Until next week, I know you like me. I like me too. I actually love me. And I really love you. I really fucking do. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, Renegades. If you're finding the tools and concepts I'm sharing each week about your brain on dating, you won't want to miss out on working with me one-on-one. I've just launched my program, Wake Up Before Another Breakup, and in just eight weeks, you won't question if you can trust yourself to date or why you can't find the one. Head on over to modernrenegades.com forward slash programs to learn more about it and how you can work with me. Let's learn how to lose ourselves in the moment, not the man.